This is Dr. Kara Shepard, and you're listening to Goat Talk with the Goat Doc. Thanks for listening to Goat Talk with the Goat Doc. Uh, I'm going at round two of catching up on some listener questions from my email going back to the spring. Um, And we'll see how far I get with that today. Uh, If you have questions that you would like me to talk about in a podcast at some point, you can always get in touch with me. Uh, The website is goatdoc.com. The email is goat.cara at gmail.com. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at goat underscore doc. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, thank you to the people who have taken a moment to rate on iTunes and review on. It's, it's not iTunes anymore. It's Apple Podcasts. Uh, but I appreciate you guys doing that. It helps out and makes it easier for other people to find the podcast too. I was going to try to record outside again today because it's super nice out, but it's not quite breezy enough to keep the little bugs away. Then we have these little like biting tiny, tiny bugs that I call, we always call them noceums. And I sat down and started to look at emails and I got bit like four times in about two minutes and they're super itchy, but, uh, Yeah. So hanging out on the couch with my dogs and I'm going to answer some of your goat questions. As always, this podcast is provided with the intent to educate and inform. It is not a substitute for professional medical advice or veterinary care provided by your primary vet. And I strongly encourage you to establish and maintain a current and valid VCPR veterinarian client patient relationship with your local vet. Uh, some, so some of these, I think I said the same thing in the, in the one, one or more of the mini episodes that Devin and I recorded for Dairy Goat Awareness Week, that, um, some of these things deserve a whole episode or series of episodes. So I, I said in the past, I will talk about coughing goats. I will talk about parasites, uh, Parasites is probably going to be like at least a two or three parter. Um, yeah. So if you ask me that in an email, I promise I'm not ignoring you. I, I will do that. I'm going to try to catch up on some of the shorter questions at the moment. Uh, so here we go. Uh, Angora goat. Uh, and in the western part of the U.S., northern, well, I'm going to look at a map, northern Nevada, uh, and when to shear. Worried about him being too hot for the summer. Um, I will be perfectly honest and say that I don't do a ton with fiber goats. Um, Northern Nevada, right up there by Oregon and Idaho. I mean, 
if he, I would check with other sheep and goat people in the area. Uh, you want him to have enough time to grow his coat back so then when the seasons start to change back the other way that he's not going to be naked. Uh, I think typically like late spring is probably um, fairly normal. And if he's a baby, you want to keep that nice baby uh, mohair because it's quite desirable. Uh, yeah. And it's like probably way past, I'm sure that goat at this point, because that email was back a while ago, that goat's probably had his hair cut by now. Um, if you guys are fiber people, uh, let me know what you guys do. Let's see. All right. Here is a question from Central Alabama. Um asking about tick prevention. Uh, We're in central Alabama, so Lyme disease is not very common, but ticks certainly are. I've already removed a few from the goats. So ticks, like southern Maine, New England is definitely like tick central, and in my small animal patients, I see a lot of tick-borne disease. Um, I see plenty of Lyme. I see almost as much anaplasmosis as I see Lyme. Um, I've seen a couple Rocky Mountain spotted fevers. Um, and yeah, so I've seen a few Ehrlichias, but not ones that are from, like usually those animals have travel history. So um, I'm not sure what the tick disease prevalence is in Alabama, but ticks are gross. Um, and it's like, it seems like we find out at least once or twice a year of some new annoying, obnoxious disease or even like life-threatening disease that ticks carry and can transmit to humans or dogs or horses or whatever. Um, the... Uh, there's a really good, I mentioned before in the Feral Ghosts episode, I mentioned that podcast Ologies. And if you've started listening to that, um, there's a couple episodes of um, about ticks. And I can't remember if it was Lyme disease or uh, tick-borne disease, but there's a couple of good episodes about about ticks and tick disease. So if you are looking for more info about ticks in general, that's a good place to go. Um so what do we do about ticks for goats? To the best of our knowledge at this particular time, um, tick-borne disease is not a huge issue for goats. Um, I looked into this in the past. Um, like goats certainly can be exposed to tick-borne disease, um, like Lyme and anaplasmosis, but they don't seem to get sick from it. Um, the, and actually, interestingly, I'm going to see if I can find the article. Yeah, I just searched really quickly. Um, there's an interesting article that I found earlier this year about uh, Borrelia, which is the causative agent, causative bacteria for Lyme disease and ruminants um, that uh, it seems like feeding on ruminants decreases the 
uh, number of the Borrelia organisms in the ticks. So that's kind of cool and also kind of also helps to indicate that um, ruminants aren't really affected by Lyme. Just kind of skimming this article here again. This was in Germany. Um, They took the ticks off of the uh, cows and goats and then looked for Borrelia DNA by PCR. Um, And several of the species of Borrelia were eliminated after feeding on the cows and the goats. So that's kind of cool. Cool for the cows and the goats, not so helpful for people. But anyway, I've kind of gone off on a little tangent here because I think that's kind of an interesting thing. Um, We don't, Lyme disease is super frustrating to diagnose and treat um, in every species. I don't, all I know about in humans is that it's annoying. And from personal experience in dogs and horses, it is frustrating and uh, possibly expensive. (laughs) Um, So anyway, yeah, but it doesn't seem to be a problem for goats in general or cows. Uh, the, so as far as tick-borne disease and exposure to ticks, I don't worry about it too much, Uh, but it doesn't make the ticks less gross. They are really quite obnoxious little critters. Um, and also it is challenging with an animal that is a food animal species, which a goat is, whether it is a pet or not to legally in the United States, That animal is considered a food animal species. Um, Whether you're ever going to eat it or not, that is what we have to think about when we're thinking about things that we can use for tick prophylaxis in goats. Now, having said that, as usual, and I will talk about this in a future episode, um, lots of things for goats are um, off-label and like it's the, the United States system is like so complicated and frustrating. Um, I believe it's the FDA and the EPA that regulates, um, use of like pesticides in animals. So any of like the stuff that your dogs or cats take for, uh, flea and tick prevention, is, uh, has to go through this lengthy approval process. And then for food animals, it's not only like, is it safe for them? It's also what kind of, uh, safety do we have for these food producing species to like not have people eating things that are pesticides basically. Um, there I've mentioned, I think maybe in the skin episode talking about lice, there's a product called ultra boss, which is a permethrin. It's a topical, um, which is labeled for goats of, I think of all life stages. I don't think there's a lower age limit on it. And it, I believe it's labeled 
Actually, I know it's labeled for lactating dairy goats and I can't, and it's going to have a withhold. I, if it's got a label for, for meat animals too, I believe. So that product ultra boss is like probably what you've got for, um, a tick prevention. And it's not going to be labeled for tick prevention because it does, isn't going to kill the ticks, but it may help to repel them. Just anecdotally, my own personal experience is that ticks, at least in my area, don't seem to really like the goats as much as they like the dogs and as much as they like me. Um, we've had our goats grazing in areas where like really thick growth, um, and I would walk through there like tall grass, thick undergrowth. Um, I would walk through there and come out and that have a dozen ticks crawling all over me. And I was grazing a group of maybe like 30 kids in there and would find one tick attached to a big ear, you know, like, so it, it, like I said, this is anecdotal, um, but it seems at least the ticks in my area don't seem to like the goats as much as they like me or my dogs. Um, yeah, that's, that's kind of really all I can say about that. There's, it's one of those other frustrating things where goats are a minor species, um, and there's not going to be a lot of, um, companies that want to put a lot of money into it because they've got to make money. All right, moving on to the next email. Uh, listener with some new animals in Southern California um, and uh, some mini Nubians and some boar goats. Um, this was a little while ago, so I'm sorry I didn't answer this in a timely way. Um, question is about minerals. I've had a, I don't know that I've, because I talked in a mini episode about minerals. I can talk about that more in depth sometime. Um, need to give them grain for the first year to cover caloric needs. Wondering about minerals. Southern California property has a well. Should I offer a mineral block or is it better to offer loose minerals individually? Is it also, is it necessary to offer baking soda? Um, so I would talk with the people in your specific area about what works well for minerals. I would talk with your vet about what they recommend for minerals because my part of the country is definitely going to be very different than Southern California. Um, the, the thing, let's see. There, these are all female animals. And the other thing to think about with diet is uh, prevention of urinary calculi. So listen to that urolithiasis episode to talk about the calcium phosphorus ratio of what you're feeding um, and also being aware of excessive calcium in the diet. Going to matter less for girls, but um, something good to be aware of. Um, you mentioned you're going to feed alfalfa hay. Um, and, and that, so that alfalfa tends to have a lot of calcium. Just being aware of that is good. Like I said, matters less for girls. Um, mineral block or loose minerals, that is up to you. We 
don't generally do loose minerals except what we mix into our grain uh, because it's messy and wasteful with the number of animals that we have. I have not ever felt like we've seen or developed or used a system where loose minerals weren't just a big old waste because they poop in the feeder in the mineral container or and step in it and then they're never going to eat that and you have to dump it out and clean it out and you just threw all those minerals away so yeah um we'll we'll throw a mineral block out i just threw a big old uh, mineral block in the dough barn yesterday um and we leave it there and they can have it uh really the the really vital minerals like are going to be in your goat feed. So be just look at your labels, talk with your mill, uh, and make sure that that has all those important trace minerals, selenium, copper, cobalt. Um, those things all need to be in feed somewhere. Uh, baking soda. I don't think I've ever offered my goats baking soda like I go to some clients places and there's little like the little feeders that are permanently fixed to the wall and there's baking soda in one meh sure not gonna hurt anything I don't think um you can do it if you want I don't get excited about it Again, with the like loose powdery stuff in some kind of container in an area with animals that like to stand up on top of things and put their poopy feet in it. And then lots of waste and extra work for me to do is not something that I get super excited about. So, yeah. Uh, even though they will be weaned, they will still be pretty young, eight to ten weeks. Should I offer a bottle with kid formula for the transition? Um if you if they've been on formula and you would like to continue to give them bottles until they're 12 weeks old, I think that's great. Um, the that can make it less stressful for them too. Weaning in and of itself is stressful. Um, so then if you combine weaning with going to a new place where they've never been before and being separated from mom, um, whether that's human mom or goat mom, like that, that's a stressful event too. So, and stress causes increased cortisol, which causes the immune system to not be as awesome as it could be. And that can lead to animals that are maybe more susceptible to infectious disease. So trying to make things as low key as possible is nice. Got a question following up on the the mini episode that Devin and I did talking about the goat dairy industry. Um, what can a goat dairy farmer do to stand out from the crowd? How one how come no one is selling goat butter? Um, do we have any advice for someone with the education and drive to start a goat dairy? Um. The, let's see, what can a goat farmer do to stand out from the crowd? Uh, I, <laughs> I don't, I'm bad at answering this. I should field this to Devin. Um, do a good job. Believe in what you do. Um, 
I can answer the next question better. How come no one is selling goat butter? Because you need a cream separator. Uh, goat's milk is naturally homogenized because the fat particles are significantly smaller than the fat particles in cow's milk. So if you leave a container of raw goat's milk in the fridge, the fat, the cream of the milk is not going to separate out the way that it is in cow's milk. So you need to have a cream separator. Um, and then you also have a question of what are you going to do with the skim product? So, yeah. Um, do I have any advice for someone with the education and drive to start a goat dairy? I would very, very strongly advise you to spend some time with someone who runs a goat dairy. Um, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of hard, sweaty, hot, like a cliche to say blood, sweat, and tears, but it, all of those things very literally, um, it is a lot of work and nobody's getting rich on a goat dairy. And, uh, you know, this time of year, <laughs> Devin and I are up in, in the barn, by six six thirty in the morning and we're back in the house maybe if we're if we're eating at eight o'clock at night that is like we're pretty excited about that so long hours seven days a week 300 milking days a year um it's a lot of work so I would encourage you to experience that before starting to sink thousands of dollars into a goat dairy Let's see. I'm going to, this next question has a two-parter. Um, first question is about a VCPR. I'm going to do a whole episode about that in just a second once I answer the rest of these questions, because it's not the first question I've gotten about like explaining a VCPR. So I'm going to talk about that. Uh, second question, number two, what can I do for mosquitoes? Um, uh, the same, so the same product, the ultra boss may help repel mosquitoes. Um, lots of, lots of, uh, people use like equine products. So there's different equine, um, like fly sprays to help repel bugs. And those, you know, those are fine. Um, I like a product that is, I don't know, I'm probably kind of going out in the weeds a little bit saying this, but I feel like the ingredients in this product are very benign. So um, the whole, like I mentioned before, the food animal thing um, kind of limits what we can recommend for food animals. But uh, I've, I've been spraying this stuff on me. So <laughs> um, there's a product called Vetra Repel Spray, uh, which is a dog and cat product. And it is lemongrass, cinnamon, and sesame oil. Um, so it doesn't smell terrible. I use it on my dogs, my short-coated dogs, my Weimaraner, my Vishla have, and my little mini dachshund all have very thin coats and the mosquitoes have been horrible this year. I spray it on them and it seems to help. I spray it on myself and it seems to help. And we haven't been spraying it on the goats too much, but we have on occasion in the past used it as needed. So I like that. Um, the, and also, like I mentioned, the, the ultra boss, the topical in 
little um, in little goats, I would get a syringe and suck up the amount that you need of the Ultra Boss and then apply it like frontline um, or like, you know, like Advantix or something like that. Apply it to the skin and that should help, I hope. Um, to the best, like as far as mosquitoes and, and horses and camelids, so llamas and alpacas, we worry about uh, mosquito-borne disease, so like West Nile virus and uh, Triple E. Um, but the uh, ruminants don't seem, and nothing's jumping to my mind for uh, things that I worry about for ruminants as far as mosquito disease. It's mostly that they're just annoying. So, yeah. Oh, let's see. Next question. Mm, okay. This listener has many Nubians. And uh, first question is about bucks. Our buck seems to be getting more aggressive toward us as humans. He also seems to engage in a strange habit of forcing his penmates away from food, even if he isn't eating. He's had does, bucklings, and weathers in with him and does this to all of them. Should we be concerned about that behavior? How do we encourage better behavior towards people? Oh, bucks. Um, bucks can be very obnoxious. At my place, a buck that is rude and obnoxious to animals or other people is going to have a ticket to freezer camp. Um, that may sound a little harsh to some people, but I don't have tolerance for obnoxious bucks. Right now, we have one mature buck in our barn, and we'll be keeping some of our AI bucklings from this year, probably one or two of them, but... We the mature buck we have in our barn, we still have him one because I really like him as like a breeding animal, and two because he's super, super, super chill. Um, we've been putting him in with the bucklings, like the oldest group of bucklings from this spring, and he doesn't care about them at all. They're like when the first time he went in with the pen in the pen with them, um. They were all terrified because he's big. He's probably pushing 300 pounds. Um, and they all ran away from him and he didn't even look at them. He's like, yeah, whatever. I'm going to eat hay. And he's been so good with them. So I love him. He is super laid back. I don't, and I don't know how much of personality is heritable, but if there, if any of personality is heritable and probably talk, I should talk with Devin about this too. Cause I bet he thinks it is. I'm thinking of the bucks that went to freezer camp at the beginning of the year, like January, early January of this year. And they, one of them was particularly obnoxious and his mom is kind of a bimbo. So like, I just, I don't, I don't have tolerance for that. Sometimes we'll keep them through breeding season if we need them for breeding, and then we will say goodbye. Um, I have been known to tip my bucks like sheep. So if they're getting fresh, and that's, so that's one thing. There, there's two different things to think about is how they behave towards other animals and how they behave towards people. I 
probably some people will get annoyed about this and think like I'm being a mean person or whatever, but I do not tolerate my bucks or my does for that matter, but it tends to be a buck problem um, to be fresh, pushy, potentially dangerous towards people. I absolutely have tipped my bucks like sheep. So that's where you turn their head around and lift up like the hip of the animal and kind of plop them down on their butt um, to take them down a couple notches and say, no, I am the in charge animal in this situation. And you are certainly not going to try to mount me or headbutt me or any of these obnoxious things that you're doing. Uh, so I've done that. Um, I've suggested people to have like a, um, you could have a spray bottle probably, um, that might help. Uh, there's a, there's definitely in goats, a behavioral thing. That's like bystand bystander bystander syndrome or something like that. I'll see if I can Google here real quick. Um, bystander effect. Um, the, um, and this can, this is, this is typically a buck thing where the, uh, like there is generally in a group of bucks, there's like one or two that are kind of like the head honchos and they're in charge. And even if, for example, like in, in this emails case, it's talking about the food, like the resource guarding or during the breeding season, this is not uncommon to happen with a doe. And you can observe this in like wild herds of goats, um, where the in charge male goat will not be doing anything with that doe, but his presence just being there is enough to prevent the other bucks from trying to breed that doe. So it's like a big kind of mind game with them and it's, it's very annoying. Um, it can be helpful to, have separate, you know, like ideally someday when I build my perfect ideal buck barn, all of my bucks are going to have separate stalls and separate runouts. So they can, they just don't have to be in with another animal, uh, which is kind of a bummer, but they kind of tend to be testosterone driven bozos. Um, and that's, that is what it is sometimes. Um, so reinforcement of behavior. So like negative reinforcement, like, okay, you just came over here and headbutt me. I'm going to tip you on your butt like a sheep um, and like take you down a peg is a negative reinforcement. And then you can, you can have positive reinforcement too, or you have like treats and, you know, food and positive reinforcement. My, my buck right now that we have, he like, he's a love bug. He loves to be scratched. He's super chill. Um, so when he's nice, he gets to like have some, some cuddles. <laughs> um, yeah. So, um, but yeah, typically for, for my own personal thing, if, the, if they're obnoxious, then 
they are becoming someone's dinner. Um, yeah. Uh, request to share any experiences or useful knowledge about mini breeds. Uh, I mean, I see a ton of Nigerian dwarf goats. I don't know that there's anything in particular, like a goat's a goat. Um, there are some in particular, uh, things that you, you should be aware of when in, in different breeds, but, um, I don't think that many breeds are more or less just like predisposed to things that goats in general are like that you need to be concerned about. Uh, I do have a theory and this has been a, this has been a horse theory of mine for years. Uh, but also I think also applies to goats so that the size of the animal is inversely proportional to how naughty it is. So the smaller the animal, the more naughty it is. Uh, so take, take from that what you will. I think I, goats are pretty naughty in general, but the little ones may be a little bit more mischievous. Uh, last question. What's with goats on leads slash leashes slash lines? Are goats just not capable of learning to be led or left on a line? I had to tie up a few on occasion so I can reasonably work in pens or barns. In all cases, they seem to get tangled up right away. Um, so no, goats can totally be taught to either walk, like walk on a leash, like, like go for a walk on a leash, like a dog, or, um, they can be tied up by collars. Um, but they, I don't, I do not advocate like tying them to a stake on the lawn or something like that, because that would incline them to get tangled. The, um, like, if they're, if you're tying them up for a short time so you can either work on them or work nearby, then just tie them up with a short enough, a short enough line so that they can't move around too much. It's not gonna, if that's a, if that's a short period of time thing, that's not going to be an issue. But, uh, yeah, no, they can, like, goats typically wear collars, um, Sometimes you can see them wearing like little head halters and things like that, but they certainly can be taught to lead around and behave somewhat civilized, but it just takes practice. Uh, I think that wraps up most of the questions. Um, Yeah, so that wraps up most of the questions that I've got. If you ask me a question that I and you're like, what? She didn't answer it. I promise I'm going to answer it, but it's because that that answer is going to take longer than like it's that one question that needs a whole episode anyway. So I will get to that. Um, in the meantime, if you have any other questions, let me know. Get in touch. Find me on the Internet, etc and uh ask away i'll get to it Uh, and that's gonna do it for the moment i'll talk to you guys next time